0: Welcome to the Millwork Leaders Podcast. I'm Tim Tritton. Thanks for joining us. I have conversations with leaders in the wood manufacturing industry. We'll hear their backstories and learn from their experiences. If you're a fan of the stories of how people drive their businesses and the lessons they've learned, please jump in. Leaders Podcast. Today I have a co-host in the studio, my lovely wife Molly. Molly, welcome.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here.
0: I thought today we'd try something different. I'd like to have a little Q&A session. We're going to learn a little bit. We're going to discuss and we're just going to keep it light today. And um, you know, I have several questions that people ask me all the time and I um, We'll turn the tables and let Molly ask me those questions, Mm -hmm. and um, we'll see how that goes for us. But we're just going to keep it um, on the lighter side today. Today, I'd like to kind of focus a little bit on automation Um, and really what it means, what it might mean for your shop, your plant, or people that you visit with that have shops or plants. But before that, let's have a little industry news, because one of the things that's important to talk about when we're talking about automation and increasing plant capacity and, and thinking about where you want your business to be is understand what the economy is going to do. So I'm always looking for indicators that help us along those lines. Um, I've got an article here from Woodworking Network that cites Roseburg Forest Products announced this month, April 14th that it plans to invest $700 million over the next four years to upgrade and expand its manufacturing operations in southern Oregon. So this is really all relative to MDF production and HDF production, medium-density fiberboard, and high-density fiberboard, which is really often used in cabinet production and other applications. They'll also be making some trim stock. But it's really interesting. You know, these they're going to have the ability... Um, to produce 175 million square feet per year of three-quarter inch board. They'll also be producing exterior, 70 million square feet of exterior trim and 90 million square feet of interior molding. This, to me, speaks of a good sign for the economy and confidence in where things are going. I really appreciate that. I also think that it's um, an indicator and maybe a little bit of a shift that we've spoken about in other podcasts as to the idea that domestic production is going to be our path because supply chains have been such a disrupted entity, and so I love all that. Um, and We see it everywhere, right? Right. We see it there's no help at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> well, maybe that's,
1: they,
0: it's one of our favorite haunts. I want but, my
1: chicken faster than that. <laughs> yeah, but,
0: but they actually, uh, they do a pretty good job of staffing, but every place is challenged.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um, so we're seeing that um, we need to have better staffing. We need to have better tools for our staff to use. We're seeing that we need to have better resources all around, our supplies, are um, not as readily available. One of the things I want to talk about is automation. Um, And I've got some definitions here, okay? Automation goes way back. Many people think about automation as being this, they think of robots and highly mechanized systems to get things produced in the plants, much like an automotive assembly line. And that's the roots of it in some regards, but actually it dates way back. The Greeks used automation. um, And they've used it to make complex mechanical devices that have existed in Hellenistic Greece, including the only surviving example of the earliest known analog computer. So it goes way, way, way back. There was a golden age of automation from 1860 to 1910 Known as the Golden Age of Automata, in Paris, many small family businesses, companies of automata makers, flourished. These rare and expensive fresh automata continued to attract collectors from around the world. There's lots of technologies to choose from. There's even a type of automation named after Detroit. Detroit automation consists of moving parts from one machine to another. Well, automatic adjustments are made to the positioning of tools that shape them. For example, when a block of wood goes into one end of a machine and a finished wooden doll comes out the other end of a machine. That's a type of Detroit automation, okay? Okay. So, so lots of ways to think about this. So what I would like to paint is the picture that it can be for everybody and automation is scalable. It can be within our household be within the woodworking shop. Mm -hmm. But I think the key is to understand where you should go with it. The second key to helping understand where you go with it is what your labor force looks like, and that's the second challenge we have in today's business environment, right?
1: Yes. So
0: let's think about this for a minute. What are the ages of people coming into the workforce? These people that were born generally from, what, 1980 to 2000, that's our workforce generation now, 26 to 42 ish. Mm-hmm. Whatever, I'm not really doing the math in my head, but I'm <laughs> <You're> guessing. I think i close. <laughs> <They get> close. <laughs> but uh, the, these are millennials. So Millennials are now the largest generation in our workforce. Businesses are being forced to adapt their antiquated processes to account for the millennials coming into the workforce. Why are we called these processes antiquated? I call them antiquated because, not because they're bad processes. Say a table saw isn't a bad process, but it's antiquated because there are better processes and processes that also align with our workforce. That's what makes them antiquated. So millennials were raised in a generation. We had the conversation today at mom and dad's house about mm-hmm. our kids who range from... Twenties all the way down to our youngest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ten.
1: Got wide range. <laughs> yeah.
0: They don't have any concept of life without a computer.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. hmm
0: So they're centered around a computer.
1: Yeah. And you and I know what it's like not to have a computer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs>
0: and without a cell phone. Um, <laughs> But we need to understand that it's not only because they're centered around the computer that it's important that we look at our processes different, but it's also because they are thinking about things differently. So they will think computer out towards a machine. Mm -hmm. They're thinking of automation. So it's not a mechanical type of automation where a piece of wood goes in a mechanical machine and comes out the other end finished. It's more of a, a computer front and first-generation automation. So they're going to be more willing to understand the tech-savvy pieces that make all this automation work.
1: For sure. Consequently,
0: Mm -hmm. they're gonna want to work if we give them the right tools, right?
1: Absolutely, Yes. yep.
0: So I think that what I see, businesses more and more have to adapt.
1: Yes, to that generation. Exactly, mm-hmm. so we
0: want to make sure that we're catering to the workforce that we have, we're making the best use of all the skills we ha- have, and we keep those workers. Because whether we're talking a skilled set of hands that can carve a, a beautiful piece of turned molding or carved molding, or a skilled set of hands that knows how to make the computer do just what you need it to do, uh-huh to drive a CNC machine or manage data in terms of workflow, order processing, all these things, um, we need to be able to keep those people after we get them trained because it's hugely expensive and we don't have a disposable labor pool anymore. We can't change one for the next. So once we get somebody and we attract them, we have to keep them and pay them well and make the work environment such that they want to be there.
1: Yep, that's half the battle. Yeah, it's probably more than half, <laughs> exactly. right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Now that I'm off my soapbox. Yeah,
1: it took you a while. <laughs> Gee whiz. I, uh,
0: I'm going to turn the floor over to Molly. Um, she, we've got a list of questions that people have asked, and she's going to read them to me, and um, I'm going to react to them. We'll see how this goes.
1: All right. This is uh, the first one. I own a small shop. Automation isn't for us. We can't afford it. What would you recommend? that they, How they handle that?
0: So just like we talked, right? I'd yep. say automation is scalable. It can be for small. It can be for large. But everybody needs to look at how they can improve their processes. And that's what we're talking about with automation.
1: Is that your final answer? It's my final answer, and I'm (laughs) sticking to it. Okay, sounds great. All right, the next one. Where do I start when considering upgrading my shop from table saw panel processing techniques?
0: So generally, most people will immediately jump to what they call a nested table CNC machine. Uh So that's going to handle your cutting and all the drilling that has to happen. For and And we're probably talking relative to um, cabinet production, but it could be any type of plywood or panel processing, closets, all these things. Generally, we talk about a CNC machine is the next step. But I would say a larger conversation is an order first. Let's understand where you want to be, where your business is going, mm-hmm. and why. So I always want to back up a little bit before I directly answer that question. So Absolutely. The simple answer is, hey, I'll sell you a CNC. <laughs> right?
1: But let's just get down to it. Yeah, right. Um, but
0: no, I'd really, I'd really would appreciate to know where you want to go because there are other steps in between. But I think generally the way people think is that you know a CNC is probably next for them, and if you haven't caught on to that point, you probably should because. There, we have as many shops that have you know, one, two, three men shops that have CNC in their production as we do. Massive plants. Okay.
1: All right. I have a limited budget. What's the most bang for my buck with machinery?
0: Again, it's a bigger conversation. There's, there's cost and then there's the, there's, there's the direct price of the machine, right? And then there's the cost of the machine And, you know, a machine really needs to earn for you. So that's where you're going to see the most bang for your buck if it's earning you money, right? right. So Mm -hmm. it's not just a fixed dollar sum Mm -hmm. that's going to give you bang for your buck, and it's not the same equation for any shop. Every shop is going to have a different bang for their buck based on the way they want to produce and where they need to go next. Their labor force, there's lots of questions. So, again, I'm always going to want to start. Let's look at your business. Let's make sure that you understand your business, where you're making money, where you're losing money, and where do you want to be? What's your goal? Yeah, exactly, Mm -hmm. what are your goals? Yeah. Um, And then we'll work you into a solution that Mm -hmm. fits your needs. But it's also hard to say that um, any gear that's um, technology-driven, would be a bad investment. The mm-hmm. CNC is a fantastic investment. Finish lines are a fantastic investment. Sanding, um, any material handling solution is gonna be a fantastic investment, and it, that all goes back to um, the millennial workforce that we have. We've gotta preserve and care for those people.
1: Yes, that's right. What's required to make the transition my shop to the next level of production?
0: Again, it's it's a bigger, Picture question, but mm-hmm. um, you know, I think this question came about as a result of, you know, I'm already C C centered, but I'm struggling to kind of ramp up from that, you know, kind of shop that we're doing, of, you know, maybe a kitchen a week or something, and and how do we how do we handle that, and how do we grow, and how do we systematically continue to see growth and manage it. Um, And my answer to that is understand your business first. One, we need to set goals. We need to align those with what your desires are because if your goals can, if they don't align, you're not going to succeed in them. In other words, if you're not going where you want to go, then if you have a goal that's random, just because your neighbor has that same goal doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So we understand that. I want you to understand where your business makes money. I keep saying that. Do the back-end data analysis, too. When you finish a job, look at it. Do the time study. So if you're not tracking labor through your shop, you should need to be doing that. If you're not really tracking the materials that comes through the shop, you need to be doing that as well. Yes. I think people often are surprised when when they actually look at the data after they've built jobs. That's going to be the key to the next step is, growing is to understand where you want to make where you want to make money and what does make you money. Sometimes those are different things.
1: Uh-huh. Right.
0: So if you can move that forward, you're in much better shape with a plan that'll allow you to see that growth. And then the final thing is once you understand that and you developed a plan to get there, you really need to spend the time on the processes before you even cut the first board. It needs to be the organized office. Mm-hmm. It needs to be all the engineering in the front end, the drafting, all the order purchasing data that's in place. And, and many shops are thinking, oh, yawn, Tim, stop. I know this, right? But I'll push back a little bit because um, I'll say this. I've run shops that weren't well managed that way. My shop wasn't as well managed that way because I love to be on the shop floor. So recognize your strengths and your weaknesses. And I also have seen shops that are large operations that are fairly chaotic in the way they manage manage their purchasing and their production. Mm -hmm. So I would just say that it can always be improved. And that's where you're going to be able to take the next step, is when you clean it up before you move forward. Don't buy the next piece of gear, expecting that to make the leap for you. It'll help, but it'll be a disaster without the front-end management.
1: Yep, that's exactly right.
0: I don't know that it's right, but it's what I was telling you.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds right. Okay. <laughs> there you go. How will, we, how will employees react to changing our shop's production techniques, and what can I do to minimize pushback?
0: I would say sometimes it truly is a challenge, particularly if you have an older generation of workforce that is um, extremely skilled. Um, I've seen amazing things from some of these men and women. You know, they just eat, sleep, and breathe the process of of constructing things and and building beautiful wood products and crafts. So it can be an affront to what their career is. So I guess I would say this. um, Bring them in on the decision. At the end of the day, you've got to do what's best for your business, but if you bring them in and alongside, that's going to go a long way because ultimately what you're doing is you're going to help them. You want to help them learn a new skill set. You want to help them be more productive to maybe produce better work, but also give them a way that um, you know, as you're aging, you're not able to lug three-quarter-inch plywood around anymore and, and, and mill heavy boards like you could. So I think that bringing them into the equation and the decision is those key people that may not be key management, but they are definitely key players in your in your workforce. Definitely bring them in. Okay.
1: Here's a comment from a mid sized shop owner. I'm happy with the size of our shop. We have great employees, I see no need to improve our equip- equipment or processes.
0: And I would say this. Um, it's the same answer I have for, you know, I could, I could have just put a blanket statement. We could have dispensed with these questions, right? Yeah. Let's have a bigger, a, a bigger picture conversation. Mm-hmm. But I will say, um, again, it's going to be plant-specific, shop-specific, we're going to, to have a bigger picture conversation. But I would say that, and I would really, I would push back that um, there's not a shop in the world that couldn't use a tune up somewhere. Um, and I think that nothing, that's one, like this is a law in business, a rule. Of, it's a law of life, right, that um, things aren't going to stay the same. You're, right. not, you're never going to be able to do the same amount of business with the same amount of effectiveness year after year after year. It's either going to go up or it's going to go down. Right. So I would say that you really should strive to look at every process and, and keep cleaning and improving and making things better. Mm-hmm. That really is the way forward for plants. Yep. I, you know, I said it in the last episode, and, and I heard a little negative comments that it's the smell of death when you walk in a plant and you can tell that things haven't changed in 20 years. Matter of fact, go ahead.
1: I'm sorry, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, if there's no improvements on anything.
0: And you can just see it. Um, Mm -hmm. The the workers don't, it's the way they carry themselves. You can see it in the machinery that's broken and hanging and the way stuff doesn't flow through a shop and nobody cares about how that's organized and the offices and... I think it's incumbent on owners to really pay attention to that. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I also think, you know, I'm going off a little bit of a tangent here. I talked about...
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can see me, but I just made a face. Because
0: <laughs> I, I could be in trouble. We're going to be okay. We're going to be
1: good. <laughs>
0: I, th- I think that, um you know, now more than ever, I keep going back to this, you know, protecting and and encouraging your workforce I think that um it's really important that the environment it's got to be clean and bright and modern in a place you want to go to work
1: yeah and welcoming yeah absolutely
0: it goes for the office and it goes for the plant floor yep I mean
1: people just I mean it's it's a mental
0: game and and let's face it work it's called work right
1: it is. We're doing
0: hard things, <laughs> yes. so let's make it enviable. Let's have a, enjoyable. Let's have a nice work space. Let's have a decent break room. You know, I mean, these things do all cost money, but I'm a firm believer that that is money well spent.
1: Absolutely, and it's not just in the the millwork industry; it's in a lot of businesses to keep your employees.
0: It's in every business. Yes, hundred percent. So I would encourage shop owners to really scrutinize that. At, as well. Yes, you know, Everybody wants to be proud of where they work. You know, think about that. I mean, even entry-level employees, you know, they want to have pride in this. They want to say, hey, I work at XYZ Corporation. Everybody goes, oh, yes, that's an awesome place. Yeah. Everybody wants that.
1: Absolutely. They treat yeah. people well. Yep.
0: Think about the, uh, the father who's working in an entry-level position. He's got kids. He'd like to be able to take and show where he works. Yeah. Do you think he wants to take them to a place that's a it's a pit that you're tripping over the trash? I don't think so. And the bosses are mean. <laughs> yeah. Nobody does.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs>
0: so please think about that and um and, and put your eyes on that, owners, um, managers. You know when
1: you're absolutely. It's important. I
0: I firmly believe it is. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yep. Number seven. I struggle reliably scheduling when my jobs will be through the shop. How can I manage this better?
0: Well, scheduling is always a bit of an art. Um, But I'll say this, and this goes back to um, the front end conversation we're just having. And When I say front end, I'm meaning the the initial intake and order process and the people in the office. Um, And I really want to encourage everybody that's a a shop owner or a plant manager, when you're starting, if you're a small organization, I would encourage you to think of yourselves as engineers first, because that's where the magic's going to happen. You're designing all this thing at the desk now.
1: Yes, that's right.
0: I really want you to, to think about that because that's also where you're going to see the magic in the scheduling and the production without understanding how the job's going to flow through the shop and, and managing the data. So, keeping spread, whatever it might be, however your scheduling system might work. It doesn't have to be a $30,000 piece of software. Those are beautiful things. But spreadsheets and and flowcharts and calendars can work magic as long as you have a system that you follow religiously and you're tracking it and then backtracking and looking to see that you're staying on course. But that's the way you're going to be able to manage processes. And this also leads you back into, when you do get it on the floor, more automated systems are easier to manage. In other words, a CNC is gonna produce X number of sheets a day pretty reliably. Mm -hmm. It's not gonna call in sick. (laughs) The throughput's always gonna be there. That's right. Operator might, Mm -hmm. but hopefully you've got some bandwidth to manage operators. Um, But that's how you're gonna be able to get through. So it's having reliable equipment, that is mechanized and computerized enough that you can also backflow that data into the office and double check that things are flowing. So that, to me, is the art of uh, being able to schedule. Um, Just throwing things out there and without refined processes will lead to trouble. So even if you don't have, say, sophisticated equipment, you can still schedule and manage effectively um, by breaking things down into tasks that are manageable, knowable, Timeable bites that are realistic. Don't throw a 40 cabinet job out on your shop floor and expect it to come through in one day because you're behind schedule. Right? <laughs> Good <luck with> that. <laughs> <laughs> but we all we all get backed into those corners where whatever the material didn't show up or whatever, but For sure. um, I would say that's the challenge. Um, and then I would further say this, as somebody who's been on the project management side, communicate Clearly to your personnel at all stages, all the way through. There's always a hot project, right? So if you've got a hot project, you need to communicate that all the way through, not only to your office staff and purchasing, et cetera, but to each person along the way so you can drive things to the shop floor. And then finally, communicate whatever scheduling you have right away. Don't wait. Don't delay. Don't hope that's going to get better to right. your customer. Yep. Because it never gets better, Right.
1: and i think communication will help it go so much smoother absolutely does so it's very important absolutely
0: so there's my tips um seem simple i don't know that everybody really does it no (laughs) it's not been my experience but really clean good data management is the key to all of this Mm -hmm. got any questions
1: I thought you were going to ask me some.
0: I am. Are you done asking me?
1: I am. You only had seven.
0: Okay. All right. That's plenty because <laughs> okay. nobody wants to hear me talk.
1: That's not true.
0: It is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess what I'm curious about, it probably will be a little tricky for you to answer, but I, what I want to touch on to, to conclude is when I owned a shop, Mm-hmm. It was stressful. Yes. It was stressful for our family. Yes. It was stressful on our marriage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I couldn't have done it without you.
1: Thank you for saying that.
0: I <laughs> couldn't have done it without the support. And you know, and I don't want to paint this picture that it was this hugely successful thing, because it wasn't. Um, I learned a ton. I made all of the mistakes. I had some successes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the reason that I started the podcast is because I wanted to help encourage people to find ways to make their businesses successful without undue stress. Mm -hmm. And the information's out there, and I can help find that for you. But relative to being successful, you have to have a good partner, whether it's your wife, your partner, your best friend, your business partner. You have to have somebody that will tell you things sometimes you don't want to hear, but more importantly, support you along the way. Absolutely. So I was blessed to have that in you. Thank but, you. you. know, So I guess the toll that it takes, yeah. um, do you have any thoughts about that? And um, what, what did that look like and feel like from your side when I was working a gazillion hours and always stressed about things?
1: Yeah. Um. It was hard to work through it at first but I knew that um, it was gonna pass eventually and I didn't I mean I knew that you you wanted to do it and you wanted to be able to see if that was your calling and, um, and I was totally behind you on it but on my side of it it was it was stressful it, it hurt me more to see you stressed. It didn't stress me out, too. When you would come home, it was really, I knew you were stressed. That, that hurt my heart, you know? Because I, I wanted to make it better for you, but I didn't know how, because like, I can't build cabinets. I don't know anything about them.
0: <laughs> well, let me say this. Oh. You did help.
1: Oh, thanks.
0: Because you, you, you won. Number one, you supported me. And secondly, you made our home a place that I could come home to. You were managing all the things that I wasn't managing at home. So that's what I'd say. This is the message. You've touched on it beautifully, is that just being there and supporting is really all that's necessary. So definitely spouses, partners, friends, colleagues,
1: yeah,
0: all the above, know people that are... Um, struggling with their businesses, or not even struggling, but highly successful with their businesses, it's a stressful endeavor. endeavor. So mm-hmm. that's all you really need to do is just give them a little support, right? And uh, yeah. it goes a long way. I can I speak from experience that um, it, it's necessary. And that's actually the secret to being successful, is having the support that you need.
1: Yeah. And sometimes it may not be the most positive support, but it's, you know, it's it's support. You know, sometimes... It, you just have to tell your partner, mm, "I don't." You may want to look at that in, in a different aspect or whatever. You know, positive. I don't know. Feedback or what am I trying to say? I don't know. No, but. I
0: get it. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think that's exactly right. So I mean, it doesn't mean that you say or honor bad decisions, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it means you may gently have to say. Hey, dumb butt. <laughs> if that's what's called for, but no, okay. you, 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 yeah, you do have to. You, I mean, you definitely—it's it, not licensed to just make bad decisions, but it is right. um, licensed to get support when you say, "Oh man, I really screwed that up." Yeah, that's where the support helps, right? Right.
1: So, everyone out there that's listening—if you know a business owner, come alongside them and give them support. Because that's what they may need right now.
0: Yep, and celebrate the wins, right?
1: Absolutely. You
0: know, I mean, you know, honestly, and I, I think that um, well, I can only speak to what I know, and it's it's largely millwork centric. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a challenging business, but there's a lot of success out there.
1: So, Absolutely.
0: Hear this, hear that. Um, it is possible to make a really nice living in this business.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely it is. I
0: absolutely know it is. I, I think there's, um, there's some sentiment sometimes that it's not always the case. So I think that's really kind of where I want to land because I think that, that feels positive to me. Um, I, yeah. just, I want it to be this way, and I want it to, I want people to be encouraged that they can make it work. There's mm-hmm. resources out there. Mm-hmm. Hey, reach out to me. I'll connect you.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yep. and, and it's, Good it's, stuff.
0: It's, it's not just about, you know, it's not about selling gear me it's 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 about encouraging and moving people forward yep so hey hey i've got some questions that are uh (laughs) that are fun right um you
1: do yeah absolutely you didn't prepare me for these
0: (laughs) (laughs) i didn't if you had listened to my podcast you may have heard me ask them before
1: oh yes i probably have
0: yeah what kind of food makes you happy
1: Sweetie, you know this is a long list.
0: <laughs> Pick one.
1: Uh, pizza. Mm. Yeah, right on. Tim Me. makes his own crust, y'all. It's awesome. <laughs> we have
0: become pizza snobs in yeah. our house. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I absolutely
1: love that. Yeah.
0: What else do you do to stay busy?
1: Um, right now, I'm substitute teaching. Yeah? Yes. And I'm raising. we're raising a 10-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and also, he's playing baseball.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were just lamenting about this. Uh, the baseball is... Um, it takes a lot.
1: It does, but it's great.
0: Oh, it's great, yeah. yeah. I'm not complaining, but uh, sometimes the schedules get a little wonky and crazy.
1: Absolutely. Yeah,
0: for sure. That's so, what happens yeah.
1: when you have kids, babe. Right, exactly.
0: <laughs> but I'm thankful you're able to be home because I travel so much to uh to chase him around and give him all the things he needs
1: that's what keeps me busy (laughs) there's your answer (laughs) exactly that's what keeps you busy
0: all right hey I appreciate your time
1: it was great to be here yeah to be with you
0: it was fun and (laughs) uh fun uh, hopefully the listeners have found this entertaining I hope
1: so not too insane we worked really hard yeah exactly (laughs)
0: And as we compile more lists of questions and things, I hope to be able to do this again. But I thought it'd be a nice little experiment to uh, expand on some things that have been on my heart for a little bit. Um, And so with that, I'm going to sign off. Do you know what they say?
1: Yes. Work hard, be kind, and take care of mommy.
0: (laughs) Amen. Cheers, guys. Have a good one.